I'm like, what? What do you mean? You buy, <laughs> you're closing next week. Your bank pulled their approval. Wait, wait, wait what did you buy for? What, what's going on? How did you buy? <laughs> and then <laughs> and then and then he tells me details and it's way above his range way above like truly way above like whatever he talked whatever we about. talked about before and nothing else has changed since then so i said who gave you the confidence who 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 gave okay. you, yeah who gave you the a-ok to to yeah. give your deposit and go on this man what, what's going on a week from close why'd they pull it what's going on right Welcome to the Real Deep Podcast Real Deep, Real Deep. with your hosts, Usan and Raj. We're here to talk some smack, give you the facts, and all you need to do is listen and relax. Please look before you leap because this shit is going real deep. Real Deep Podcast, new episodes every Sunday, so be sure to tune in real deep. We are good in three, two, one, real deep. Real deep. Oh, it's a family affair today, ladies and gentlemen. Raj we got have, his family. <laughs> we got young Sani and we got old Sani here. Let's give some uh, real deep perspectives on the real estate market. Uh, here we are, episode number. Episode 12. Mm, mm. Lucky number 12. Lucky number, number 12. 12. And uh, like we said, we have Indraj Sani. It's my little brother. Um, it's a family business. Family affair. It's a family affair. <laughs> uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself, young fella. Tell him who you is and where you work. Well, my brother said it best. Indraj Sani. Work with Intrend Mortgage. I have started out as a mortgage agent. Uh, progressed throughout the years. Learned a few things along the way. Now I am handling all the underwriting for my brokerage. And I'm also the manager of training. So different role different perspective but definitely do love the industry if i if i didn't love the industry i think uh in the dark days in the early days when starting out the highs and lows probably phase out probably not want to mm. be here but the the love of the industry kind of kept me around you know and uh glad to be here thanks for having me how does um the hierarchy of like mortgage brokers go so like you're, you said you're an underwriter yeah and what i understand is that the underwriter is kind of like the big cajons and they approve most of the most of the shit right You're sitting behind the desk and with then, a stamp and then there's like, a mortgage broker who's underneath that who's collecting the docs and being like please, praying to you please. to yeah. get things approved right so yeah how does, uh, how does that that world work uh, you kind of sums it up pretty pretty good there um underwriters basically your, your filter between making sure you're getting the right documents from from the agent who's getting the documents from the clients and getting the right information and they're, they're essentially the the roadblock to sending it to lender, right? Just because nowadays lenders in whole, they're, they're kind of cracking down on efficiency levels, they're cracking down on a lot of backend stuff. So an underwriter is like a gatekeeper. Uh, you treat your underwriter right, and uh, I'm only saying this because I'm in this position now. Yeah. <laughs> treat your underwriter right and, and they'll take care of you, right? But you just gotta really understand as an agent all the info you need right talking to your client asking the right questions because uh, i've personally seen a lot of agents and I, I i was kind of like this in the beginning when i started right um don't ask the right questions to clients and mm -hmm. they just assume stuff and uh that doesn't lead to, to really good results near the end you know but uh but yeah, yeah it's actually a gatekeeper being an underwriter you know that happens in your industry too <laughs> that happens in our industry too you gotta ask the right questions you gotta what, ask what the right of, questions what kind of questions are these questions about okay how long do you plan to own the property what are your future goals any any major obligations that you're anticipating to uh come up in the next few years starting a family daycare all these things taken in consideration right mm. well most people think about your your mortgage product everyone's so focused on rate 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 mm -hmm. but the lowest rate with the wrong strategy can cost you more uh in the long run as opposed to a little bit higher rate but a right strategy right so 
rates one aspect of it but really just understanding what the client's goals or preferences are kind of starting point yeah. right? um i know that there was one way that you started your business because i got a little bit of a glimpse from the inside we're in the same house <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. and uh, i noticed that uh, before you got into the business you took the time to prepare yourself to be in the business um so that meant educating yourself that meant making a plan for yourself. Um, and when you hit the ground running, you had systems in place, which we've alluded to in previous episodes, helped you get into the role. So your growing pains while they were there, they obviously helped you get to this new position. Um, but uh, I wanted to take it on another kind of just, just a little bit on the other side of the coin. You talked about the good questions that a agent will ask their clients to help them and to understand their whole profile. Mm -hmm. But what kind of questions should a customer or client be asking you mm -hmm. to check you if you really know what you're talking about? Yeah, first ones I would say is how long you've been in the industry. Uh, that's one question I still get to this day. And if you just explain it, like it depends on where you're on your journey, right? If you're young in your journey and you're just starting out, you want to have a good team around you because you need that mentorship, you need that expertise. Um, so understanding from a client perspective how long the individual that you're working with has been in the industry, I think that's very key. Uh, but also just talking to them, right? Because I've seen individuals, there, there's different processes in which people can go, right? Some people, as agents, they give, or even bank specialists, they give a little paper, say, hey, this is your homework, fill out the application. And that's that, right? But then I've seen other people, they set up a call with the client, they walk through kind of the motions, they ask any questions that the, the, the clients may have, and they kind of build that rapport that way, right? So I think it's really um, case by case, but you really know if you connect with somebody or vibe with somebody, you're just speaking with them, mm -hmm. right? So I, I think that's very key. Um, but the most common question other than what's your best rate is how long you've been in the industry, mm -hmm. right? Especially sometimes when you look a little bit younger, People kind of like, okay, well, does this guy really know what he's talking about? Yeah, yeah, talk to me. I know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, Usain has that problem too sometimes. This little baby-faced guy over yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, no, no beard, clean, yeah, exactly. clean as a whistle, you know? I have no little facial hair. That's it, you know? <laughs> That's it. Right, and I guess too, like while you're in the industry, like there's people of all ages, both in, in the mortgage industry, our industry, any industry, right? Of all ages, all types. Um, something that I guess uh, helps is your ability to look both in the past look towards the future and then also navigate the market the way that it is right now mm -hmm. um and also too you got some skin in the game for yourself mm -hmm. um just alluding to some investment properties that you had made a decision to do some projects right yeah we can unpack that later but uh you did it as a young person uh and you had to rely on a team of experts for it right mm -hmm. um how much did it help you to have that new kind of experience when it came time to talk to people that might have questioned whether or not you're fit for the job or, or whatnot? How, how did your experience uh, end up benefiting you when it came down to your business? Yeah, I think it's really the confidence, right? Um, especially in my role now when I'm training new agents or just training um, even experienced agents sometimes who've, let's say they've been part-time in the industry, now they're looking to transition. I think it really starts with your knowledge, first and foremost, because to really talk to a client and to really connect with them, you need to know what you're talking about, first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that knowledge kind of behind you and you're not really self-motivated to learn more and kind of continually grow, um, people can kind of feed off that and they know like, okay, this guy really know what he's talking about. So I think the confidence kind of grows from there. Um, and that's why it's just like a compounding effect. Your knowledge grows, your experience grows, your sales growth grows. There's so many different aspects, right? Being being in the mortgage industry, is there's the 
technical side of things, right? The the lender side of things, the admin, the paperwork, all that stuff. But then there's also the sales part of it, People. right? I'm sure you guys, same thing, you guys experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just really uh, honing in on kind of both avenues, it translates and it's your confidence just shoots up, you know? I think it got you taller too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Jack the Beans, bro, you know? That's right. For for an investor, when was the last, um, obviously in, right in the last couple of years, it's a lot been a lot of appreciation-based mm-hmm. um, purchases. Yep. When was the last time you saw more applications for cash flow properties? Uh, last year and a half, to be honest, um, because a lot of people, especially with COVID working from home, it's funny how when uh, before pre-COVID, all the employers like, no, we can't work from home. There's, we don't have the structure resources behind <laughs> it. No way, no chance. And all of a sudden COVID happened, unfortunately, and everyone had to pivot, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people working remotely, they're kind of like, well, if I'm working remotely and, I, and I'm um, at home and I'm, I'm not constrained to physically having to go in as of now, but now people are realizing you have to go back in. Um, a lot of people the last year and a half have been looking all over outside the GTA mm-hmm. just for kind of cash flow purposes, right? Because GTA prices went bonkers. They still pretty are bonkers. Um, but out there in like Windsor, Sudbury, uh, I've seen people go to Sault Marie. Um, a lot of people just looking for a better opportunities where numbers make more sense, right? But I would say in the last year, year and a half, I, I've seen it more and more. And would you say these guys are like, we've, we've been seeing a lot of uh, articles kind of coming out and the budget for, uh, f- focusing on finger pointing. And uh, you're an investor. Mm-hmm. You're an investor, you said. I'm an investor. And uh, the rules that they're proposing mm-hmm. or the way that they're saying like, hey, we got to target investors. Um, what are your t- take? What's your take on that? Are, we, are, are you a problem? Am I a problem? Is you sent a problem because we want to find a property? like? Uh, if you look at like the percentage of investors versus people who are living in their actual property, people own or occupying their own property totally outweighs the investor kind of circle, right? The investor circle gets magnified because it's the easiest target. Yes. You're not going to target your average person looking to live in their own home. Uh, you're not going to do that politically, right? That's yeah. right. So you're going to target these investors who have taken their steps to uh, better themselves and better their net worth and better their, their future generation, their, their generation wealth. You target those people because they're the easiest target. To me, when those articles come out, I mean, I think you forwarded me a WhatsApp. Uh, I'm always for <laughs> WhatsApp chain. Yeah, yeah, WhatsApp master over here forwarded me a chain. It was like a screenshot, and I was think of something along the lines of like investors now are going to be like 30% down payment. Uh, they're going to be scrutinizing X Y Z uh, kind of practice, and to me, it's it just fluff. It's fluff at the end of the day, right? Especially is this year an election year? Or is uh, it? Ford. Ford is a uh, yeah, provincial. Ford, provincial. Okay. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see when things come out and how it's portrayed. But that's why people always take media articles and and uh, and news articles with like the whole almighty. Mm. When in reality, it's, it's, it's always just some a, wiggle room or the, the flavor of the day. Yes. Are are investors generally paying thirty percent anyways? Is them impl- uh, implementing a thirty percent minimum? Like just pretty much just like they're already doing it, but we're gonna say it just so that we said something. Yeah, that, that's what I see. Like most investors, like the investors that I have worked with in the past, they, they like to preserve their capital as much as possible. Um, especially as an investor, like the, the first investor, the first investment you get, 
you're like, okay, I'm just gonna get one, I'm good. I need to wait a little bit. Once you do one and you just see the returns, you see the numbers, especially if you're cash flow oriented, you're like, shit, I wanna yeah, do more of it. Do more. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, sure. it's like almost it's positive like, reinforcement at the end of the day, right? Exactly, right? So so most people try it for the 20%, but I've seen other people or they just want to uh, take out as much equity in their owner occupied or another property and then just roll into the next one, right? Mm-hmm. So between 20 and 30%, or even 35%, even if it does come into effect, uh, people are always going to find ways around it. Yeah. At the end of the day. Like that's the same thing that they were basically like uh, a lot of the things that they proposed from within the real estate industry, like changes they were saying that they want to implement mandatory home inspections and give people the chance to put their conditions in. It's like we already have that. You're not giving us anything new. You're really just rewording it and making, like you said, the flavor of the day. Give them something, give the people something to yell at. You know what, I wanted to actually backtrack just a slight bit here. We were talking about first time home buyers and um, yeah, like, you know, who you're dealing with, you know, hope that they know something. And we were just talking about a little article blurb that we saw um, on the internet. It's being posted around. Should I go ahead and? Yeah, yeah. Should I go ahead and read it? Read it. Okay. Read it. Read it. We'll give them, give the people something to talk about. So this one here, I'll tell you the story, and I just want your both of your opinions on should somebody have known better in this situation? Like, is it not like buyer beware? But yeah, let me read, read it first. Let me read it <laughs> first instead of putting my question in the my answer in the question. All right. So hi all, posting anonymously as our realtor and family friends are also in this group. Admin, please approve the post. We bought a house right before March hike, and our closing is in May. We bought it at approximately 1.3, and now in the same neighborhood, similar ones recently sold for 1.1, which were intact uh, and and intact uh, compared to what we bought, and bigger in terms of square footage and all. We are first-time home buyers and invested our hard-earned savings. Our realtor suggested to make a move. And he did mention housing never goes down in Canada. And the Bank of Canada is in no position to hike the rates. We already stretched on the existing rates and any more hike would make our life even more difficult. I recently listened to the Bank of Canada April press release where they have mentioned that the lending rate will go up at least 3.5% and maybe more if needed. I'm feeling stressed and wanted to get out of this deal, though I have no option left other than forfeit my deposit. Please suggest if there's anything I can do to walk away from this. End transmission. <laughs> so let me, I just, I want to say one thing. Okay. Homie, it's not just your deposit that you'll lose if you get out of this deal. You're probably going to get sued for the damages because the price went down. Yeah, you're going to pay the difference. So there's not, that's just, I just had to say that. Now, we talked about you should know who you're talking to and like hey the person you're doing business with might be very cheery might be very charismatic might be very nice to get along with but if they couldn't tell you this kind of information there's a chance that they didn't even know themselves they might not have been withholding something they didn't know like i i think it's a realtor's job to know this stuff yeah but i also wonder who else was this person talking to or not talking to and how could you not know that the interest rates were going to be going up? Yeah, uh, no offense to realtors, I love you guys, but if, <laughs> if, if a client's getting advice, especially with the Bank of Canada, this and that, and, and you're looking at your crystal ball, nobody has a crystal ball, right? We might think we know what's going to happen tomorrow, but in reality, we don't, right? Anyone who says they don't know what's going to happen in the future, they're just giving you their opinion. That's that. Um, but in terms of 
this situation with this article that you just mentioned, it makes me wonder what were you based on your interest rates for? Like what were you using your interest rate calculations on? And B, are you living in it? Are you gonna be renting it out? What's the situation? What's, what, what's happening on the back end? And C is there's a reason why the banks and the Bank of Canada uses something called the stress test, right? It was introduced in what, 2016 for insured deals, 2017 for everything else. There's a reason why you have to qualify at 5.25 on piece of paper. They're basically wanting to see if rates go up, which they will, because if in the last couple of years we've been uh, blessed with low rates because of what's happening, unfortunately, in, in the economy, people take that and say, yeah, it's going to stay forever. But in reality, things change. That's the nature of a market, right? Cycles. But people think that real estate is, 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 is easy because they see their friend and their, and their friend's dog who bought a house and now it's gone up and say, yeah, everything's going to be rosy all the time. But no, it's the nature of the market. That's the nature of real estate, right? You talk to any of the older generation who lived through the 80s and, and the 81, 82 kind of rate hike at that point, rates were what? 17? Yeah, 17, 20, 22%. And people survived that, right? You just have to pivot sometimes. But people get um, a little taste of, of, of the low rates and just unrealistic, unsustainable environment. And they think it's going to last forever. But in reality, things change. But in this case, it just, you have to pivot. So now let's just take this case example that we have right now. These are first time home buyers. Yeah. And if I know what I would have said if I was working with them as a realtor, I know, you know what, what you would have said. As a mortgage agent, wouldn't, wouldn't, would that be something that you bring up to your clients too? Like, hey, mortgage rates are what they are right now. Do There's a chance they go up. Like, do the they market? ask you that stuff? Yeah, clients ask me, and, and it depends on what the clients look and do. If you're a first time home buyer, we offer pre-approvals, right? Pre-approvals are good for two things. Number one, it's gonna give you a generic mortgage amount. And I say generic because a pre-approval is not tied to a specific property. It's not a commitment. It's not a commitment. It's a piece of paper that's probably not worth more than, than the, the, the paper it's printed on, right? It's kind of fluff at the end of the day, right? But people love a pre-approval because it gives them a little bit of confidence to say, okay, yeah, I can go shop for Certainty. the XYZ property. Mm -hmm. But then again, we're using generic property taxes. If you're looking at Durham, property tax can be a little bit elevated. If you're looking at Toronto, Markham, property taxes aren't as steep, right? So it really depends because your budget can can uh, depend on that. But the number two, it's gonna secure rate for the next 120 days, right? But that rate generally is not the best rate you're gonna be receiving in the market if you had a live offer, because lenders, if they issue pre-approvals all day long, there's no guarantee that that business is gonna come back to them. So they don't wanna reserve a certain number of dollars or funds for pre-approved rates because they're not sure if they're ever gonna pan out. Whereas if you have a guy purchasing in 45 days, 60 days, and we know he's firm and he's live, hey, this is what I can offer you, right? This is, like this it, is our real number, right? This is what yeah. we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. something firm going on, right? So pre-approval is one good way to hedge against rising rates. Um, but then another thing is just, again, keeping in touch with your, your mortgage individual that you're working with and your mortgage individual that you're working with should be keeping in touch with you, right? At the end of the day, they should be letting you know, okay, rates are kind of trending upwards. These are kind of the numbers based on projections. They could change at any point because that's a reality. In the last, what, before the last Bank of Canada meeting, like late rates with lenders, literally we're getting e multiple emails each day just saying this is changing, that's changing, this is changing, and it's hard to keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. We just generally want to know where things are going, mm. right? So uh, I really th just think it's a kind of a communication standpoint, but should happen sometimes you know yo oh sorry go ahead uh, there's the there's one line in there that i just want to want to enforce is that that agent that they worked with said real estate 
doesn't go down. It only goes up. <laughs> oh, no, no, in Canada. In Canada. In Canada. Canada. It's just um, in Canada. What I do know is that we have a lot of young cats in this business, and they've lived in a market where real estate technically has only gone up. Mm-hmm. In, in the mortgage side of things, do you have brokers that say the same kind of thing? Are they more more smart? <laughs> yeah, are they more realistic? Because that's your territory. I, I think it really depends on the length of tenure that individual has been in the industry, right? Because we've been in the industry, and like I, I'm part of it, where I haven't seen down days really in terms of appreciation, in terms of the market, right? Interest rate aside, right? Just the way prices have gone, I haven't seen the dips, crazy dips, personally, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't use that as like, yeah, shit's gonna go up forever. Right, it's yeah. it, it's not a forever thing, and that's why I even uh, this other realtor that I know of, he was telling these clients, yeah, twenty percent appreciation. Don't worry, like get in the property, sell your condo. That's and I'm like, how are you guaranteeing? How are you honestly? How are you, how are you, are you guaranteeing there? that? Like you're, you're you're pitching that to your clients. That's that to me is very suspect. Un- I day. think that's unethical. That's unethical. Yeah. Right. You're you're giving a hard number, and you're saying, yeah, it's gonna go up no matter. Just get it, get it, get it. But then you really look at it like. What's your motive of, of telling them to get it, get it, get it? The motive is his commission birth right there. That's like, to me, an incentive cost bias yeah. exists that I don't think we talk about it enough. That's one of the main reasons that I think it's very important to know who you're dealing with is because the person that's giving you advice gets their compensation from that. Oh, yeah. So if they don't get a deal out of it, then they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you have any inkling that they might be pushing you towards doing something, mm-hmm. it might be like, hey, you might be right. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. has, like, if... If the person you're dealing with has costs, there's a cost to dealing with that person. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I've seen it with some individuals where they're so eager to make the sale, but it's like, are you really doing what's best for your clients at the end mm, of the day? That's you, really are your clients making question. the decisions? We're the advisors, but your clients are the ones, this is their financial life. They really have to decide what they want and how they're going to go about it because next thing you know, they, they buy a property that's over their head. They're, they're, they're leveraging themselves way too much. And then let's just say it downturns, who's it going to fall back on? that individual who misled them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really about the long-term game. If you want to be in this business for the long-term, do what's right for your clients first and foremost. Every day, right. yeah. But, and that will lead to good things, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I've seen too many people quick to fill their pocket first and foremost, and mm-hmm. yeah. you can tell. You can tell, right? Now, how, what about like from that same perspective, we want to do the best we can for our clients. There's people that take they take great strides and they go to great lengths to educate themselves first so mm-hmm. that they can properly educate other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is it to know your own industry front and back in order to provide counsel to people? Like there's, for example, when somebody says, hey, what do you think is gonna happen? Like, why do you think the prices are going up? And the per- like we heard, 10, maybe a hundred or a thousand different explanations of why it was going up. Mm-hmm. Now, when it's going a certain different way, mm-hmm. hey, what are you, why, why do you think it's happening this way? We're getting the same amount of answers. It seems like you know, everybody's just speculating on something, yeah. but it's very hard to nail something down and say, based on this, this, that, and this. Russia. <laughs> yeah, Russia. like, no, seriously, Russia, <laughs> Russia. It was Russia. Then it was COVID. Then it was yeah. pent up demand. Then it was, oh, it's just transitory. How many, how many times do we hear? things that just they're so easy to say oh yeah they're beating they're beating cliches now yeah every nowadays it seems like they're uh, a real estate expert right i guess the way the the market has been performing and just the housing market in general within the gba and the gta everyone and their and their family pet is is a real estate expert nowadays right so everyone has an opinion everyone thinks that xyz is happening because of this 
this is happening because of that. And I, I do believe there are a lot of multiple factors in works, like regarding why things happen, but it's really hard as an average consumer to pinpoint these certain things, right? But us as agents, as mortgage agents and uh, real estate uh, representatives and brokers, we really need to educate ourselves on things that will translate and how we communicate to our clients, right? So it's like when people ask, okay, what factors dictate what happens with variable rates, fixed rates, okay, as an agent, you need to know the mechanisms revolving that, the Bank of Canada, the five-year bond yield market, right? All these different things that will dictate these mechanisms, you need to educate yourself and understand how those work to really translate it and dumb it down to your clients, right? You're not trying to talk down on somebody, but your average person, they don't know what they don't know, right? There's all these things thrown at them, Mm -hmm. especially first-timers. For sure. Yeah. Right? So it it just comes down to that, to be honest. So so when when you're suggesting to, when when you did suggest to, or or client-facing, you're suggesting rates to them, Mm -hmm. how did you pitch variable versus fix to them? Yeah. And to set this straight, there's no right or wrong answer. It it really just depends on the client and their, their preferences, right? So I kind of dive deep into the kind of life questions first you want to ask, like how long do you intend to own this property? Is is your starter home? Do you intend on buying more property in the near future? Do you have any life obligations that are coming up? Do you have any financial uh, obligations that might change? Are you downsizing, you're upsizing, where you are in your timeline, right? Um, Because that's first and foremost. I mean, the five-year term is the most popular term we have in Canada. Mm -hmm. I don't know who came up with five years, but Mm -hmm. five years is a damn long time. but then you also look at your five-year fix. There's a reason why it's the most profitable for mortgage lenders, right? It's kind of guaranteeing that interest rate to their investors and their shareholders on the back end. I'm not saying variable is better. My personal two cents, I prefer a variable. Um, I rather enjoy my savings today and have flexibility going forward with the, a cheap penalty if I ever need to pivot, especially in these contexts, right? With COVID, mm-hmm. with property values going up. Um, so it really kind of starts from there, but then also just understanding where rates are. So what are the spreads between fixed, where the spreads between variable Mm -hmm. and then just kind of presenting it, right? One thing I like telling clients, you know yourself best. If you're worried about where rates are going and you're worried about um, they may increase, they may change, they may do this and that, and you're truly going to lose sleep over it, maybe fix is a better option for you. Maybe you like more stability. Yeah, Yeah, to give us some certainty. Yeah, whereas if you understand how variable operates, you understand the mechanisms and you're okay with a little bit risk fluctuation, hey, maybe variable we can talk about, we can explore, right? But most clients just want to know options, what there is, and then it's up to them to really decide because we can't decide for the client. No, never can, never can. No. So yeah, you gotta accumulate the ammo yeah. for your clients. That's what our job is, yeah. is to bring all of the information they need to make a decision to bear Yeah. right then and there. So you can't really provide the greatest level of service to your clients if you're not educating on yourself how the machine works, right? Yeah. They're calling you because you're supposed to be the expert on the machine, so. Do you, when when you, um, so you are an independent brokerage company. Yep. Compared to a bank. Yep. Uh, who, do you see a difference in terms of skills and knowledge versus someone who works in a bank versus you? Obviously time is a big factor for anyone, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of like, if you, let's say you're fresh and you're green, mm-hmm. um, do you learn more at a bank or do you learn more at, at a brokerage office? Um, so again, I am biased on this because I am on one side of the party than the other. Yeah. Um, I like that though. He at least ad- admits that he has a bias to it. Yeah. It's yeah. ethical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ethical. Um, 
<clears throat> uh, what I personally see, and when you walk into your bank, which most people they 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 kind of start off with um, their their bank that they primary bank with. When you walk into your bank, let's just <clears throat> say they're the big green machine, not dropping any names, right? There you go. So when you when you, when you walk into there, and you're trying to understand their products, understand what they're able to offer you, you're not really shopping the market. You don't know what else is out there. You don't know if the product that you're getting with that specific lender is comparable or is a good product for you based on your preferences and needs with what's out in the market. They're not gonna say, hey, go down and see the Red Bank down the road, they're gonna offer you something better. They can't do that, mm -hmm. right? They're employed by their specific uh, lender or bank. Yeah, to sell their product. To sell their product. They have quotas to meet, they have managers bringing down their neck, right? And they're just to be clear, they work, those people work for the bank. Bank. They don't work for you. They don't work for you, right? Whereas uh, as a broker, or as an agent, they still have access to your bank. They can still fund you with your bank but they can still tell you what's going on down the road. They can still tell you what's going on with other lenders. They can just really educate you, right? Because the banks and the kind of the market share has shifted, right? Between uh, individuals going directly to the banks versus brokers. And there's a reason for it, consumer awareness, right? So the big banks, they have the brick and mortar locations. They have the branding behind them. They have the- uh, They have established trust in a way, They have right? established trust and familiarity, right? You have yeah. your TD Garden, you have your Scotiabank Arena, you have, Hey, open account, you get $300. Okay, <laughs> let's jump at it. Jump at it. Right? Yeah. They have that behind them, but then other people don't know there's other types of lenders. There's lenders that are virtual based. They don't have the brick and mortar. They have lower overhead. They can pass on better products and savings to these clients, right? So it's really just about the education and awareness. But uh, in terms of understanding of products, I would say a broker does have more understanding of, of the industry as a whole and just what they're able to offer because they, they're forced to learn that. Right, they're first to know that, right? Whereas a bank, you have to know your one product, whether it's fixed, variable, new to Canada, uh, or non-resident, all that stuff, that's gravy, but you're not really knowing what else is happening in the market, you know, it's, uh, again. They're not as, they don't have to be as creative. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and, and another thing too, is that if you walk into your bank, and let's just say you're not qualified, where do you go from there? Bye. <laughs> see, Bye. Uh, see uh, when things fix up, yeah, let's talk again. No, yeah, right? They don't, make, they don't make the extra effort to actually get you yeah. something. They just say no or yeah, and that's yeah. it. I, I find personally that sometimes they don't give a shit, right? But mm -hmm. it's like options nowadays. Things, you need options, right? Especially with people who are self-employed now. Uh, with our generation, a lot more people become self-employed, right? So mm -hmm. you need a lot of different options out there, whether it's a, a trust company, whether it's a online lender, a bank, a credit union. Credit unions have been pretty, pretty good, pretty cool, right? Yeah. They operate on a provincial regulation, so they don't they, have these guys don't have the stress test. They don't, they have the stress test, but they 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 can't publicly uh, advertise they don't have the stress test because the right. big banks are, are breathing down their neck, right? They're right. saying, hey, you're taking some market share away from us. We're not we're not too happy, right? So, just knowing knowing the options out there, honestly, it's it's day and night difference, you especially what, when you translate that. What I would say, another big difference that I prefer, like, okay, I'm biased as well. I like to give my <laughs> full disclosure. I like to give my business to my brother here because we can handle Family. things very closely. Right. <laughs> and then I know how he operates. He knows how I operate. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the main things that it comes down for our business, you is our clients, we're trying to tell our clients what to do in order to secure a property. And sometimes that requires acting aggressively. Yeah. And that means, <clears throat> they may have to waive that financing clause that's there for their protection in order to be competitive. Mm -hmm. But before we can do that, we have to make sure our clients are good with it, are okay with it, mm -hmm. if we do it. So having uh, heard a story from the office where uh, they were trying, they were in a multiple offer situation and uh, you know, they, the clients had a chance 
to secure the property, but it required them to go firm and increase their price. Mm-hmm. And they simply said, just want to check with their mortgage guy. Mm. I, I think he, I'm not sure, but I think he worked for the bank. Okay. And it's laughter five o'clock. Uh, yeah, you're not getting a hold. Of oh no, you're not getting a hold of anybody, and then they're losing. They lost. They lost. I think they lost out on the deal, and it was just like, <clears throat> that's the bank, right? That yeah. they're there until they're not there, and then after the fact. Yeah. Mm, sorry, buddy. They don't, like you said, care. Nine to five and and check out, check in. That's it. Like uh, again, not everyone's like that at the bank that I've seen, but the majority are unfortunately, and that's kind of again for the consumer to understand what they need in their corner especially for a first-time home buyer right what i kind of tell first-time home buyers that i work with if you're shopping for a property and you want to pursue a property have your agent or you send me the address or listing so i can run those numbers again because property taxes might be different on the property if there's condo fees that might be different if heating's included in the condo fees that might alter the budget um, but it's really just understanding anything that you want to go on let me know let me be your gui- your, your guiding star right? If you can't get a hold of me, call me again, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to be there for you guys at the end of the day. But give me a heads up. If I know you're shopping for a property, you're going to see a showing and you want to pursue the offer that night or whatever it is, give me a heads up. That's all I ask. Just for. let me know, right? Open yeah. communication, right? But I've seen it make a difference though, because it just provides more confidence to the confidence, buyers. Confidence, yeah. confidence, right? If you know your top dollar is this, but then you need to go a little bit above that. Okay, is there any room in the budget? Are you going less than 20% down? Are you going 20% or more, right? Really working through that. But it just makes a day and night difference for those those clients, right? Who are like, oh, I want to get the first one. Yeah, give them the chance. Like, do you ever had, have you ever had any kind of, okay, so like any stories where basically like you've told somebody, this mm-hmm. is what I can do. This is how I do it. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of say like, that's all fine and dandy in there, but... I'm gonna go see what I can find on my own, and then you, they come like not to say they come crawling back, but I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, this. yeah. So I have, uh, yeah, a story. This was like a couple of years ago. Um, again, my my timelines are are mixed up with with COVID timelines because COVID I just know hit a couple of years ago, and that's kind of what you use as a benchmark. But <laughs> this this individual. Um, he relocated him and his wife and his child relocated from Alberta to Ontario. And I don't see forget how he got a hold of my number, um, but he did. And of course we, we chatted, he came into the office. I sat with him, I met with him. He was the only individual working for, for him and his family. His wife was getting Canada's child benefit for their, their child. Right. Um, and when I went through their, their information, went through the kind of the process that I have in place. And again, for those, clients out there who expect budgets and expect numbers, hard numbers without giving you anything in return with no dreaming? documents. Dreaming? Dreaming, right? I mean, you can go. Come on, man. I'm telling you, I make 40,000 uh, a year. Just trust I make 40,000 a month. Just you trust have me, a buddy. Lambo, this and that. Trust like, me, buddy. Money's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You're the problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, right? But but it's really for us to collect the, the documents that the lender's going to see ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of doing that. But anyway, so so this individual I met with him, went over the budget, um, and the budget was, was fairly low because he's the only one working. He did have a pretty hefty car loan. Um, and just not enough income to support it. So I said, this is where you're at today, but these are the things that you can do to increase it, X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. Gave them full disclosure. And then I could tell he wasn't too happy about it, but at that point, it's it's not my job to make him happy. It's my, my job hurts. to give, him the, truth, give yeah. him the truth. And this is what we can do to look to improve it, give you options, right? Um, so I followed up them, followed up them, didn't hear from for about a couple months, right? 
Uh, next thing you know, I'm in the office one day and then I get a call from him out of the boo. And prior to that, again, he's been ghosting me. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, okay, interesting. And pick up. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? This and that. And then next thing he's like, hey, I need your help, man. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, uh, I'm closing next week. I bought a property and uh, the bank just pulled my approval. I'm like, what? What do you mean? You bought, <laughs> you're closing next week. Your bank pulled the approval. Wait, wait, wait what'd you buy for? What, what's going on? How'd you buy? <laughs> and then and then and then he tells me details and it's way above his range way above like truly way above like whatever he talked whatever we about. talked about before and nothing else has changed since then so i said who gave you the confidence who 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 gave okay. you, yeah who gave you the a-ok to to yeah. give your deposit and go on this man what, what's going on a week from close why'd they pull it what's going on right and next thing you know, he resorted to having to go to what we like to call a Brampton loan. No offense to anyone out of Brampton. Hey. No, no offense to anyone out of Brampton, but that, that's that's word in the industry. That's kind of what it's referred to. Um, he had to resort to getting somebody to do up some documents, pay the guy cash or, or do whatever they're doing. And they tried to swindle the documents to make it look like he's earning X, Y, Z and doing this and that. And they tried to do it unethically. And what happens? The bank caught on and literally there's nothing i could do at that point because you went firm nothing else has changed you had less than 20 percent down payment you weren't even working with 20 percent where you can go to an alternate lender a private lender get a bundle this and that and he was left without options i'm like buddy is there can you get a co-sign can you do this and he just went ghost on me and didn't hear from him again i don't know if he closed i followed up with that no response but it's just like People go that route thinking, yeah, I'm going to do it. I need a house. I'm going to resort to these ways. But the next thing you know, shit happens. Yeah, you get Right? People think it's, yeah, I'm gonna, no problem. My friend did it. I'm going to do this. Mm. Uh, but shit happens. And I'm like, people that have to resort to those means to do that for your first home, I can't even imagine the stress. Being married, having a kid in the house, what risk of losing your- taken away? Yeah, right? Yeah. Risk of losing your deposit. I'm like, shit, man. To me, to that, when I seen that, I was like, I'm glad I'm, I'm straight and narrow. Straight and narrow, right? I, I've seen people that resort to unethical ways like that. And it's funny enough that I think, honestly, fraud in the industry happens more more, uh, more common than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, banks and lenders are getting smart on that now. So so sometimes banks and lenders, they want uh, bank statements uploaded directly to their platform instead of the client providing it to the broker yeah, agent PDF or and whatever. providing it there, yeah, they want right? It. So they want it direct from the platform. Same kind of similar way CRA does it. Right, right. Right, third party authorization. So it's just stories like that. It's just like, I'm glad at what I do and I'm glad I can educate clients appropriately, but I'm not gonna resort to means that are gonna put my clients in jeopardy and really tarnish reputation, right? Because long-term thinking. Right? Oh, yeah, I get, I get those all the time. Hey man, you're in real estate, yeah. Your brother's doing mortgages, right? Yeah. Can you get us a mortgage? And then they give us like some sort of shadowy, dark, yeah. dark synopsis. And they're like, this is what we need to do. And I'm like, okay, man, no offense. There's thousands of people that will do that for you. Yeah. I'm not going to do that because. because this is your career. This is your career. career. It's integrity. I think it's, I think it's integrity. I think it's just integrity of the matter. Like we try to help people as best as we can help them. Mm-hmm. Like, like we said, explain the options. Let them know what they're, uh, what they can do, what they should do, what they might not want to do and that kind of stuff. But. Um, if there's something that we have to say no to, yep, and it's to preserve the integrity of ourselves and the industry, then by all means we do it. So it's like the hard fought way, yeah. right? So like this guy. So what? What is the risk? So like he's been unapproved and rejected from the bank. 
Um, he's, what, prob- he's probably blacklisted from that blacklisted bank. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. What, does, what does blacklisted does mean? mean? Meaning you can't bank with that, that lender anymore. You can't approach him for any financial. I don't know. And will they tell other people? Like, will this lender tell other lenders or like only his friends? That's the part I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think the banks will share like, hey, this guy did this to us. Don't watch out for him. I don't think they'll go to that extent because honestly, if they did, a lot of people should be blacklisted from mm. from, 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 from that. But it, it just... It's just stress, man. It's just stress. It makes I think it, I think that kind of that kind of story or what it makes the industry stink. Yeah. And like now, okay, so like if we were to jump from mortgage now to real estate side of things, in the news uh, recently, there's been talk of uh, a little bit of a change uh, to the offer presentation or the offer process. Mm. Uh, right now in Canada, we not say exclusively do it this way but the majority of our transactions are one-off where you don't know the contents of any other offers if any Mm -hmm. and what there's a there's a proposal now which says that the seller will have the ability to disclose the contents of other offers contents main contents being price yeah and if they would like maybe conditions maybe conditions closing dates that doesn't matter. Like how long the offer is good for? That doesn't matter. So it <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll say the main ones are your price and your conditions, right? Yeah. But there's more info. There's a little more information that goes into <clears throat> the offer. But uh, when they say that, they always kind of position it in such a way that, hey, there's a lot of hanky-panky going on in the mm-hmm. industry. And it's the realtors that are mm-hmm. jacking the prices up and listing it low and looking at how much, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars this house sold for. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a way to sell the house. It's an option, but this whole divulge the contents of an offer mm-hmm. is that not the case already? If a seller said to me as an agent, Raj, you tell everybody how much I have. Because I want more. <laughs> you you tell them all how much I have, and you I give you permission to do it. I could do it right now. Yeah. It's not a new thing. Legally, you can do it, right? You're not you're not diving out of your your legal rights or a, as a seller you're, you're kind of doing what's best for your client because you're representing the seller but to me those changes aren't really changes the seller has to agree to it or the seller has to, to approve that to go that route you can't force anybody you can't to do it force anyone to do it but to me that just it kind of puts a band-aid over the real problem. the real problem which to me is still again supply and demand you have all this demand that's been pent up and the amount of I, I work with a lot of like new to Canada individuals as well come from overseas, good incomes, um, accountants, CPAs, all that stuff, and they come here for better opportunity for them and the family. But they're coming here with good, high-paying jobs, right? They might not have the down payment or capital, but they have the income to support it, right? So go minimum down. But think about all the people, especially in COVID context, and now stuff going on in Russia, Sri Lanka, all these things that want to leave their country, come to a better spot. Where do they come? They come to the GBA most likely or the GTA, right? So you have all this demand that's being pent up and what Canada's promised 1.2, 1.3 immigrants the well, next Well, like, though, they're saying, they're saying two things at the same time. It's like they're they're telling us that they know supply is an issue. It's mm-hmm. been an issue, though. It's not like that's not a new thing either. Mm-hmm. And then they're saying, like, no, no, you know what? We're going to have to have this housing affordability task force that's going to tell us how to build. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you're going to increase the amount of people you that are coming in yep. that are, are going to be with demand like you're saying yeah so like what are you how are you getting ahead actually in the in the matter you're trying to get growth and you're trying to get enough supply to satiate everybody yep. and it's almost as like you're 
canceling doing each other two, you're, yeah you're canceling each other out you're doing two contradictory things it seems yeah and it just to me it's like there's again there there's i don't think there's a perfect solution but i think there's better things that the government can be doing and again we're just knocking on the government because that's what we like doing as canadians but affordable housing right how do you address it well can you add secondary well, dwelling I know, I know how you get rid of you just stop talking about it <laughs> <laughs> sweep it under the rug Even, i don't know if you guys noticed that like they stopped talking about affordable housing a long time ago yeah. buddy. They, like they, they know that it's what it is now at this point is what it is right is what they're kind of saying right but and you look at even different municipalities in different regions why do they make it so hard to make like a secondary dwelling or a basement unit why do they make it so rigorous right because imagine if a lot of people had more access to build those those secondary dwellings those, those legal units all that and it wasn't such a tedious process a lot more people would be we doing do it. it there's too much red tape which would provide more shelter more opportunity more 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 housing right but it just i don't think the supply and demand issue is ever going to be fully addressed they're just going to try to come up with different ways and intervention to put a band-aid over it but mm-hmm. that's why i think the long run to me like real estate is especially in the gta is still a great opportunity in the long run right shorter term it gets hard to time all this stuff mm. right it's not really about timing the market it's more about time in the market mm. but um stuff like that that they're proposing 2023 nah, i don't see it we'll see what kind of effect because like i think they have a lot of other things that need to be affected first before mm. that <laughs> even has a chance to do anything yeah. can we talk about pre-construction for a second and how that works with mortgages mm. yeah so pre-construction uh, it's funny enough i've seen builders uh being a little bit more stingy now on and who they're accepting pre-approval letters from they want it from a, a, a schedule one bank or lender and they want xyz on it um for as, pre- oppo- as opposed to what was it before just they anybody, uh, like a brokerage anybody, pre-approval anybody? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're becoming a lot more stringent on that but for pre-cons it, i mean there are a few different products there, there's something called like a build a cap program where you can essentially uh lock into get like a firm approval quote-unquote um, as long as no material changes and you get priced at a higher price point right now in terms of interest rate and then 120 days until your firm closing you can get repriced at those current market rates because as a lender you're not going to lock into somebody's rates today yeah, for something for that closes two three four five six years seven years down yeah, the road exactly because you don't know where, where rates are and the markets can be at that point right so there's kind of avenues with that something called a builder um cap program but then the other alternative is again get your pre-approval get that understand that you are qualified for that purchase or understand how you may get qualified for it and then work your way around right once you get your firm approval date then we talk about mortgage within 120 days yeah, we're all good to go hmm. right but you you've experienced this too and you've seen it the pre-cons projects are all getting delayed right now of course right yeah. supply and demand like shortages of this and that everything's gone delayed right so it's like you never know when exactly it's going to close until you actually get that letter and sometimes That's that right. letter is like literally yeah. ASAP. ASAP, like you're closing, you're closing <laughs> soon, right? Ten days. Like, like my, my brokerages, we're, we're exclusively partnered with Tridel, so we get a lot of Tridel uh, pre-cons, and literally in the last few 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 weeks, they've just been issuing firm closing, like, right off the bat. Ooh, with, wow. With no, like, No, like, heads period. up. No heads up. <laughs> no grace period, because, like, oh, yeah, ready to go, that's and then, it. Yeah, we need the money. So now. then it's we like, the we're money. left scrambling, and wow. the client's left scrambling, but it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been interesting the last year and a half just to see how everything's been impacted, right? That's good. I mean, like when we look back and uh, like we said, the pandemic definitely changed a lot. We That's like, okay, I don't even have to say that. Okay. Right. Um, but now if we're starting to look a little bit forward, mm. 
things are starting to change. The ground is starting to, I don't know if it's softening or what is it, but we'll there's something, <laughs> something's going on mm -hmm. and we've alluded to it on the previous episodes, but now we have somebody else from a different perspective here to kind of share with us mm -hmm. and uh, look, help us talk through it. But um, like going back to that post that we were just referring to about the butthurt buyers. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, that part there where they said Bank of Canada is not going to uh, raise the interest rates. Just call it false, obviously, like full disclosure. They, that's not they, what's when happening. When did they buy? They bought in March before the peak? I think they, they bought early in the year before the Bank of Canada, they said, increase it. No? Well, okay. This is the thing now. Bank of Canada has been saying that we're going to, like, as of, I think Since it was February, February yeah. or March, they had said, we will move aggressively to combat inflation. Yeah. If that means multiple rate yes. hikes, so be it. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's been sad. It's been said mm -hmm. it's been on the table yeah it's almost like one of those oh if i can't hear it if i don't see it it's not <laughs> yeah. true like i call that the ostrich mentality like so put your head in the sand and hope the lion doesn't eat you yeah <laughs> no seriously right um but like one question for you was that kind of any was that any sort of talk discussion about like how much of a rate increase people could expect because i know when i i mentioned just off of my own speculation, like, hey, there's a chance they could go 50 basis points on us. Yeah. And the the further out I said that from the time that it happened, people were like, crazy, you're crazy, there's you're no crazy. Way. It's too then as we started getting closer to the time, the article started saying the same thing. It's like the machine started yeah. spitting out the same numbers. Yeah. And then it happened. Yeah. Now I see that the narrative starting to go even fast forward. Fuck 25 basis points. They're talking about maybe even a full point. Mm -hmm. It's on the table. Mm -hmm. Whenever they say it's on the table, like just watch out. Yeah. So you know when when the rates are going this way, mm. I'm thinking that some buyers are expecting that the prices are going to come crashing down, mm -hmm. and it's reflecting in the offers that they're putting out in the market. Yeah. yeah. So like for example, we had one property yesterday in Markham. It was a three-story detached home around like Woodbine and Seven area, mm. uh, more Woodbine and Sixteenth actually. And uh, basically, they had listed the property at 1.2, and they had six offers on the property yesterday. Mm -hmm. And within like just an hour or so, a message goes out to all the agents that have shown the property saying, we did not sell the property today. Mm. Property's still available. Please call if your clients are still interested. So the price went from 1.2 listed, and now it's at 1.6. That's six offers. And in my opinion, I was like, at least half of those are at list price. Mm. Yeah. So like the buyers are not giving that number that the sellers want. There's a little gap. Yeah. There's still deals being put together. Yeah. But I don't know. Am I, are we, am I crazy? I, I like personally what I've seen. Um, I, I do think there is more opportunity in terms of buyers. Not that the playing field, I don't think is level at all. But I still think uh, from what I've seen so far with this whole Bank of Canada increase and the news articles and people, oh, this guy's following this and that. I, I do think a lot of people have taken a step back because they're worried about rising rates and this and that, right? But I see that as opportunity. At the end of the day, if, if you're looking for shelter over your head and you want something that's um, going to help y achieve that for you and your family, when's the right time, right? Whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's day after, are you really going to be worried about where rates are going in the short term as opposed to the long-term kind of objectives that you're going to hit by owning your own property, paying down your own mortgage. Mm. Your value, hopefully, over time is going up, which it has, but there's no guarantee of that. Yeah. Right? So stuff like that, I have seen it soften up a little bit. Now, I don't think it's going to totally crash because, I mean, if a pandemic didn't 
when the pandemic first hit, nothing really came down. It was just really stalled, right? Is, that, stalled. is that correct? Prices prices dropped that, a little okay, bit. That, that, they dropped a little bit, but like the elephant in the room is they also dropped their interest rates. Yeah. To keep it going. Right? They, they now dropped. they're going the other way with it. Other way out. And our inventory is going with it. It's going up too. Yeah. So more opportunity, more, more listings I've seen, but uh, it's still not... Like, are you guys still seeing multiple bid it like bids yeah, on certain properties? Here and there, property. here and there. Yeah. It depends on the property, yeah. Right. So stuff like that. It's like even even uh, earlier this week, like uh, I messed in Windsor, Windsor, so we made an offer on a property. It was listed for five fifty. It was a, it was a triplex, and uh, as of the offer presentation date, our uh, time was like six p.m. And uh, as of then, there was only one other offer, and we we're about to offer. So we're, we're kind of looking at the numbers and we're just kind of looking from a logical standpoint and we're talking with a realtor who's seen the property four different times because he had to go, we got an inspection on the property too, but then the other offer, he was, he was chatting with the, the listing uh, realtor about it. He's like, oh, so has that realtor seen it? Just trying to get a feel of it, right? And that realtor, that, that other buyer realtor did not see the property at all physically. Blind offer? Blind offer, oh. apparently out of town investor. And we offered, it was listed for 550. We offered just because based on the numbers, the numbers have to make sense from our investment standpoint. Mm. We offered 585. And we're like, okay, maybe. And our realtor's like, yeah, you know, like, I don't. Good price, yeah. Yeah, like, based on comps, based on all this, and based on our research, okay, if we need to up it a little bit, yeah, we can up it a little bit. But the next thing you know, he calls me literally an hour later. He's like, yeah, we got blown out of the water. I I can't fucking believe it. And I'm like, uh, he's like, yeah, apparently they offered mid sixes. And I'm like, did they know there was, we were the only option? Like, yeah, the guy didn't even see the property. So I'm like, I don't know what the hell the case was uh, regarding that, but I have seen it just personally when I'm looking at my stuff, stuff has slowed down a little bit in terms of number of bids on one property, the number of people putting their money on the table. But this guy, I don't know. He might, he might not overseas. I, know, like, I need to get that or, property. I need to get the property, or he might be like, I, I still believe in the property, the market. It's still yeah. going. I'm going to be able to make my money off of it. It's yeah. still good for me. But to but, me, it, it's like 100k over, with nobody stressing you out to make that. You decision, not even like, seeing physically the property spe- and knowing you're only one other person competing against me. Like again, to each their own. Pay what you want to pay. Is that fuck you money? Is that fuck you money? Uh, exactly. Is that fuck you money guy going out to Windsor to buy a property for fucking whatever? Overseas, overseas, like, they don't even, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. They don't know. They, they don't, they don't care, it. right? But then even asking my realtor out there in Windsor is like, oh, how's the market? Like, I have a lot of buyers kind of taking a step back. He's like, yeah, honestly, the the newer investors have taken a step back because like, oh, rates going up. Oh, oh I, I can't handle it. But it makes me wonder, what are you running your, your investments on? Like, what are you running your initial cash flow on? Mm. You're running on the lock, l- uh, bottom, like low, 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 low rates? Yeah. Or are you baking a little bit increase? Because as an investor, your numbers are very subjective. Yeah, bake you, it into your- Bake, bake it into, into your numbers. Yeah. If you, your cash flow doesn't lie, your numbers don't lie, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's interesting, man. So, so like, that's nuts, man. Appraisals. Yeah. Mortgages and appraisals. Um, We've seen we ha- we've had the days where everything was getting appraised, mm. no matter what it was, because mm. one they probably didn't go into the property and check it out; they just drove by, yep. or they looked at photos. Little drive by, send us drive photos. By. <laughs> yeah. Send us a picture uh, of the back of the house, please. Thanks. <laughs> now that referring to that article, that that little blurb we read out earlier, yeah, um, with things they bought at one three, mm. things were selling at one one. Now yep. they're closing in a month. What does that what does that mean for them? Yeah. How does a lender like how does a lender Yeah. Do so it? lender they're going to go based on the lower of your purchase price or your appraised value, right? So it really just depends on 
the circumstance of the deal itself, right? Whether you're going in 20% or you have a little bit more liquid assets or liquid cash on hand to cover a shortfall, that's one thing. But one one instance where it might be tough is your first time on buyer, you're going less than 20%. Although when you're going less than 20%, likely not, you don't need an appraisal because the insurance company is gonna cover that on the back end right. and no actual physical inspections done. That's the beauty of insurance sometimes, right? You're paying for that premium, you're getting a lower rate, but at the end of the day, the lender's looking at it like, hey, if you ever Secure, I'm good. if you ever mess up on your payments or default, yeah, we're not gonna be too happy, but we're gonna get our, our losses covered by this third party yeah. insurer, right? So, but in terms of overall and appraisals, I haven't personally, even with my brokerage, seen much come in much lower or really not many off kind of the target. The ones where I've seen it come in lower are refinances. Because mm. when you're purchasing for a property, more than likely not, you'll have comps that support it. If you don't, which sometimes doesn't happen and your your value, your appraised value comes in lower, then yeah, you have to foot the difference. Right. But where I've seen it come lower are people's expectations. Oh yeah, my properties are 1.5, 1 million, whatever it is. And next thing you know, you're trying to refinance it and the bank uh, orders an appraisal and the appraiser goes out. They're not looking at like, hey, you purchased for a million, you need a million to get qualified and all this stuff. They're looking at like, you want a million, but is it actually worth a million? They're more subjective in that sense, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of where I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, but in purchases, uh, so far, knock on wood, I haven't really seen much. So, so like in a in a falling market, mm -hmm. um, something something I was taught to kind of push for was when when a client buys a property, mm -hmm. uh, it's firm, everything's done, um, to talk to their mortgage broker to be like, hey, go get the appraisal done like today, ASAP, ASAP, yeah. ASAP. Does that oh, does that appraisal hold until closing or does that change? Yeah. Yeah, it, it holds until closing. So that's another great point that you brought up. Like it's based on comps, right? So it's like if you if you, you buy a property and there's comps that support it right then, right there, let's do the appraisal right away because the appraiser is going to use the most recent comps at that point, right? That will they go like yeah okay sorry continue, continue right? But then it's like like you said, if you wait a little bit, you have an extended closing. Let's say three four months out and things change, the market changes, and you order an appraisal near the end of that, your appraiser is gonna use the most recent valid comps within the 90 day period. Ah, uh, so, so would there, time is of the essence when would it, it comes Would it to not that. be, is there a reason why mortgage brokers or, or banks or whoever it is, mm. wait so long to go in for the appraisal? Mm, with banks, honestly, it depends on their process internally, because some banks still do um, in-house appraisals, well, there's just order on their end, the client doesn't even know that's happening on the back end. Mm -hmm. um, but it really, it's up to that individual, whoever you're working with, to make sure they're on the ball and they know wow. what they're doing, right? So it's like, you so wanna make sure. So like horror, from a horror yeah. story perspective, yeah. this guy here, yeah. if he got the house, hopefully if, he, if, his, if, his, if he's mad at his fucking realtor for yeah. not telling him what to do, yeah. and his fucking mortgage agent yeah. hasn't ordered an appraisal, yeah. that guy's like uber fucked yeah. at that point. But, but it also depends on the client, right? Because I have some clients and uh, who you're trying to go, like you tell them this is exactly what we need, this is the process, let's rock and roll, we're ready to go. Mm. But they think they, oh yeah, I have time. Yeah, oh, I have time. Enough. They'll take the sweet time, but it's like educating them. No, this is why we should do it now. Yeah. Let's get everything satisfied. Let's get you instructed to your lawyer. Let's get your keys in hand, move in, let's celebrate. Let's call it a day, you know? Right, right. All right, my, my last question before we wrap up here, I don't know if you have one too, Raj, but um heloc versus refinancing yeah what buddy. the fuck is that what is the difference here <laughs> yeah so think of a heloc like a, a fat credit card that's secured against your asset or secured against your property right because it's secured against your property you have 
way lower interest rates as opposed to unsecured kind of lines of credit or, or credit cards. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 money that you can access pretty much anytime, right? So it's it's good to have sometimes, again, it depends on your goals, depends on what you're using the money for. If you're an investor, you want to make a, or even an average person, like uh, a consumer, like a owner-occupied, you want to make a deposit and offer, you need money, okay, it's happening in HELOC, use a deposit and offer, and then roll the money out there, right? Refinance is more of, if you have immediate needs for the funds, and let's say you're doing renovations, you want to use a 20% down payment on a new property that you already purchased, refinancing may make more sense because you're getting a lower interest rate as opposed to a HELOC. Okay. Um, but again, your terms are, are different. HELOC is fully open. You can mm. pay it out at any yeah, point without point. any penalty. Um, whereas a, as a mortgage, unless you're going in an open product, uh, you're more likely than closed, right? Yeah, so you're, you're in a new term now. You're more restrictive. Yeah, yeah. So refinance would be like redoing your mortgage. Or restructuring the mortgage. And then taking cash out immediately and then... Taking a lump sum out. Yeah. So it's like if you don't have immediate use for the funds, then taking out that lump sum, letting 100000 200000 300000 whatever it is, sitting in your account doing nothing, earning peanuts uh, may not be the right strategy. Whereas uh, some investors I work with, they like getting their HELOC set up and then it's just future capital for what they want to do next, right? It's just quick money they can access. Does, uh, yeah. does that amount in the HELOC ever change with like the, the waves of the market? Um, waves of the market, no, the rate does change because the, the HELOC rate is based on the primate with that lender and mm -hmm. the primates dictated what the Bank of Canada does. Um, so that does change. The limits uh, can change as well. They can increase. Okay. For example, some lenders, um, like all the mortgages I have are, are what they call like automatic limit increase. So as you pay down the principal of your mortgage, that limit goes towards your, your HELOC limit. So right. it, it's kind of revolving in that sense, right? And it's kind of nifty because you don't have to requalify. That money just kind of adds up. If you don't use the money, no balance, you don't pay anything. There's no fees associated with it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but but it's really just educating people to understand the tools to their advantage, right? Because you look at a lot of wealthy individuals who've built a great nest egg for themselves and built generational wealth, they've used real estate as a means to do so, right? So it's like you get one property, how do you use that property to your advantage over time and you buy another property and then another property and another property. But again, it's not for everybody. Some people don't want it. Some people don't care for it, which is fine. No, no hard feelings, no, to each their own. But at the end of the day, it's, it's something that can really make a, a difference in somebody's lives, right? Especially mm. their family. Mm -hmm. So mm. it's huge, man. Got it. Very right. interesting. I got one, one question for you. It's related to your recent projects that you did. Take me back to the first purchase that you oh, made. Oh, hot dog. And what, like, just give me your ra range of emotions of just like, Ooh. what made you, okay, oh. first, this is a three-part question. Three-part. <laughs> this is a three-part question. What actually, like, what sparked your kind of curiosity towards that model? Mm -hmm. uh, give me something that you actually, like, you got really surprised about mm -hmm. after doing it. Mm. And then give me one thing that you would do differently or that you did do differently because you did multiple after the first one, so. Yeah, um, so I guess why I went that avenue, so all the investments I have at the moment are in Windsor, Ontario. Um, the reason why I went that avenue, and so the first one I closed on was, December 7th or 8th of 2020, right? So kind of after pandemic was in effect. Um, but my main reasoning for looking out there was simply acquisition prices were very low. Um, and at that point in my career, I was still an agent. And again, being self-employed, the beauty of it is you, you can make a lot of money, but you don't really have to show it all of it to the government, right? You can dictate your expenses. You can dictate how you want to present it. And at that point, again, being very brand new, 
and based on the advice of my parents, deduct, 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 right? Don't pay any, don't pay don't any, pay taxes. Don't, don't be in a high tax bracket. So it's like, okay, you follow that model, but then you realize the big banks, they want to see what you're declaring yeah, to the government. You, do you have money? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the balancing act, right? So the first one we got was, um, was, and kind of the model or the strategy that we like doing is, is now commonly known as like the burr. Right. Burr or burr, 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 like Gucci, oh, like that, burr. burr, okay, yeah, yeah, like Gucci. I know that there's burr and then there's burr, like so, Gucci, yeah. right? It's like you buy something, you, you rehab it or renovate it, you, you rent it out, you go back to your bank, you, you refinance it, and then you repeat the process, right? So first one we got was a good single family um, in a great neighborhood in Windsor, and my first thought was like Windsor is like, and especially when my parents heard about it, they're like. Oh, Windsor, like, oh, I heard this and that. No, I don't know. I've never been there, but oh, I heard this. I don't know. I heard a lot of drugs. Yeah, a lot of drugs, 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 you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe, but I don't know what I don't know. Let me, let me go look, right? So me and my partner, we went uh, down a couple of times, like more than a couple of times, a lot of times to like network with people, understand the ins and outs, understand, build our power team around there. So we connect with the realtor, connect with the property manager. Uh, lined up a few contractors. So the first one we bought was 232,000. Um, and we were simply looking to renovate that, right? So we added, it was a three bed, one bath. Um, so at that point we added an extra bedroom because a portion of the upper was unfinished. Mm. Um, and then we added another bathroom. So it turned into a four bed, two bath, right? The contractors at that point, we didn't have one locked in, but literally it was kind of hectic because we had three visits. So we closed on the property, our first visit, I had three different contractors lined up within one hour. And it was kind of weird because it was like, hey. Fight. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't expect you guys all to show at the same time. Yeah, let me walk through. Here's a checklist. But we gave them exactly what we were looking to do. So we kind of itemized it. Mm. Uh, and we were just making sure that we were, weren't being taken advantage of, right? Being first-time investors outside of our comfort zone, um, kind, of, kind of going that avenue. But it took a little bit of time. So we closed on December. We eventually finished the renovations in May. Um, we rented it out for 1950. Actually, a, a family from Toronto who relocated to Windsor, uh, they're the ones who eventually moved in. So we got 1950 in rent. We purchased it for 232. Um, our mortgage, when we purchased it, was I mean, I went with Home Trust, an alternate lender, because again, being self employed uh, and the strategy we we're looking to do, we kind of went that avenue. Um, and then when we went back to the bank to look to refinance with, it got appraised for 346, Ooh. right? Because of the value we added and all these things. And of course, we did get lucky, right? Full disclaimer, the market did appreciate, so we did enjoy that, right? But you can only be lucky if you're in the game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? Um, so then after we refinanced it, we got, uh, I think, left into it. We had very little of our own capital, including like down payment, uh, renovations, closing costs, and holding costs. Um, so very little of our own money left into it. So we basically got a property almost for free. So we're like, shit, and the cash flows. So like, yo, why aren't more people doing this? This makes sense financial sense mm -hmm. so then it's like okay cool we did one now we know kind of know what we're doing but i think the hardest part was contractors right you, the first one we not that we made a mistake but we we, we vibe with this one individual who he, he's a very genuine individual but i think the project was more over his head it was mm -hmm. a large product yeah. it was full gut from under yeah, to yeah. top and we realized after he didn't really have a, a strong team behind him he was subcontracting everybody out right but then it's like, and then we were getting frustrated with delays, delays, delays. And we're like, yo, what the f why, why is it taking so long? Like, mm -hmm. come on, you, you told us this, that, that, and we come and we see the property, we drive four hours and it's still not done. What's going on? 
So they kept getting frustrated, but then we realized, okay, we didn't do our due diligence and vetting improperly, mm. right? Mm. It all worked out on then, but that that's where we learned from. Um, and then second one we got was a fourplex for 428,000. And that one to this day is still, that that's a cash cow, I like to call it, right? But then that one is literally four different tenants we got lucky with, as soon as we closed on it, two tenants decided to give the notice. They got jobs elsewhere and they left. And then literally we went from, I forget what the other units are for, but we went from paying, uh, getting 650 for each of those two units to now they're 1150. So your cash flow wow. pretty much almost doubles from there, right? Almost doubles. But then it's like those other two tenants are in there. They still haven't turned over. So when they turn so over, when they turn over numbers yeah, go up, went up another half yeah. right so then we did just when those tenants turned over we did a lot of renovations and then we went back to the bank later on refinance it for 495 uh so we pulled i think in that one total we have about sixty thousand left um and then yeah and then from there it's just like okay what's next what's next so you get the itch yeah you get one and you're just like it makes so much financial sense mm-hmm. why are more people doing it yeah Especially when you when you you figured out a system where it's no the the risk at the end of it is so low for you that it doesn't yeah. really matter. You, you, the biggest risk you have is saying yes to the property. Right, exactly. yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you get insulated base, and then that's the that's the luxury of you going to the market where it was affordable to do so. Yeah. You're not stressed out, and you actually can enjoy. You're not the over your head. Not you, extra stressed out. Yeah, not extra stressed out, right? But it's like the numbers just made sense, and I was kind of like, it makes so much sense to. To, to continue this, right? It's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? So it's like, you're the problem. So hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm can, the no, let me cancel. I'm gonna cancel. I'm gonna can. I'm gonna cancel that last question I had to ask you, <laughs> and then go back to another thing. You you said, and I, I can admit to this. And I'm sure you can admit to this too. Uh, people's not only parents but friends, coworkers, whoever they mean well. I yeah. hope they mean well when yeah, they yeah. give people advice. For sure. But what does the person need to know? Because they're getting bombarded by all this stuff and like it's something that you had to deal with. Mm-hmm. How did you actually keep yourself straight and narrow? Right, because you, you're in the... Like you have to, you, you have to put up with realtors. a family of realtors <laughs> telling you, Toronto is the best place. Toronto, Markham is the best place. Canada. This guy's saying Windsor. You go, are you going to be a tuck driver? Man? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like how, do you, how did you keep your head in the moment? And yeah, just... Uh, honestly, it just came down to like uh, obviously the family and, and close friends you do value their opinion, but at the end of the day, they're not gonna be the ones making the decisions for you. And it, and it's at the end of the day, it's your life, right? So it's like, what did I want out of life, and what I still want out of life? I personally don't want to be working until I'm I'm gray and old and and just live my my last few years as is. I want to build kind of a nest egg for myself. I want to build generational wealth for me and my family, and I want to kind of um, have that time freedom that that luxury of, of not being constrained geographically and also uh financially right so it's like you kind of have to just tune out the noise although again you are still being respectful to your family and friends right well family mainly friends yeah <laughs> uh, but but it's kind of like just tuning it out right and kind of when your your people around you see what you've done and kind of the things that come around it then they're like oh yeah yeah that made sense yeah good job you know it's like okay mm. cool like pat me on the back that's it right you but trust it's, your own process trust your own process right ha- have your vision kind of locked in but it's also having a good ecosystem around you right because mm. if you're just a solo dolo and, and you're trying to run at it yourself it's easy to get bummed out it's easy to get bummed out man like uh, you need to have people around you that'll pick you up and say no like stick with yeah, it you stick know stick with it it's gonna be worth it's an ecosystem yeah support system whether bad or good shit's right. gonna hit the fan sooner or later right but it's like how do you deal with it? how do you deal with diversity right 
people think like life is going to be rosy. It's going to be this. Yeah. If I, I'm going to do this, do this. But shit, sometimes life fucking gives, so, it, gives you an uppercut, kicks you in the yeah, face. Yeah, sometimes it really tests you and asks you, do you really think you want what you want? Or yeah. maybe if I give you something low-hanging fruit, you'll take that instead. So you got to mm-hmm. stick to your plan. Stick to it, man. Life's going to give you fucking some undercuts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but also gives you some, like, band Not band-aids, but, like, some cold press. Yeah. Some cold press. <laughs> some cold press, you know? So what do they call it? WD-40 for your joints? <laughs> no, that's Rob A535. It builds character, you know? But that's yeah, uh, you know what? I'm uh, really glad to have you on the show. Um, kind of special show, being a family kind of thing. Thank yeah. you, you saying you're like family too. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, buddy. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you. And uh, again, we have um, wealth of knowledge here just amongst us three. Where can, that, where can the people find you? Yeah. They can find me. Well, uh, and honestly, I haven't posted much on social lately. Uh, I've been uh, kind of just doing my thing and, and, and keeping my head down and, and working. But you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me. I mean, if you type out my name, if you know how to spell it, which I doubt you do. Two R's. Two R's. Double R. It'll be, it'll be in the description. Yeah. It'll be in the description. <laughs> do you but have yeah. a catchphrase for your business? Like, like we know Sanix is don't, don't panic, panic call, call Sanic. Don't panic call. No. Do you have a... You're Mark. in. You're in there within there. I'm in there. I'm. I'm in there within trend. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, got the in. You know. That's very good. I like it. I like it. I just thought on that spot. I like it. Freestyle. You know, Yeah. Next, you know, branded. That's it. Stamped. Stamped. No. Thank you, homie, for coming through and spending the time with us and dropping some of those gems that you had, and also bringing us through the experience of your projects. No, for sure. Thank you guys for having me, man. What you guys are doing here, like being on this platform, it's it's cool. You know, it's cool to see, especially your growth. You know, like from from starting the podcast now what 12th episode you said 12th episode right it, it's crazy right but uh good on you guys man continue this this stuff because it's, it's good knowledge you're crying i'm not crying <laughs> you're crying trust the process right? trust the process, trust the process. Fuck right. philly though fuck philly fuck philly let's go grab it
Now you looking like Mitch Me. Uh, while I'm off and I'm touring. Uh, see, this could have been you here. Yeah. You still sleeping and snoring. Yeah. Do this shit for my family. Do this shit for my loved ones. Try to fuck with my family. You gon' see all that blood run. See that money that gave it all to me. But they know I'm the realest in the place. I'm so dumb and humble every day. So consider me throwing on the stage. Yeah. I just hit my doggy. I still wait for 92. Give me-